Before we begin, I wanted to give a big thank you to our sponsors for sponsoring this episode, Josie the Mountain Troll, Pamela, and C. Shaw. Thank you all so much. You're listening to Southern Bramble, a podcast of Crooked Ways. I'm Marshall, the Witch of Southern Light. And I'm Austin Bain X Bramble on Instagram. And today we have two very special guests with us. Please welcome Chris Young and Susan Ottaviano. Hello. Hello. Hi, everybody. Hi, everyone. We're so excited to have you on. You wrote The Green Witch's Guide to Magical Plants and Flowers. Um, I'm very, very excited about this book. I thought it was beautifully done. The illustrations are gorgeous. Susan, am I to understand that you did all the illustrations? Yes, I'm the illustrator and Chris is the writer. I did the recipes and the illustrations. I'm, I'm, this is the artist in me has to ask, what was your medium for creating these illustrations? Um, They're done with uh, oil pastels and colored pencils and um, uh, basically that, yeah. I collage. I love the texture. Just every time I flip a page, I felt like I could, I was reading an ebook version of it and I feel like I could see the texture in the art. I thought it was, it was colorful. It was beautiful. And it made me feel like I wasn't just reading a book about greenery. I was reading a book about, um, about all the colors of the rainbow, the flowers, the petals, the leaves, the stems. I just felt like it really brought out a lot of the color and, and, and what we think of when it comes to plants which most of the time always ends up just being green it was just gorgeous so hats off to you thank you but i guess it's also because we co-created the book together and we it isn't like it's a separate thing where chris wrote a book and then we hired an illustrator we were able to do it together create the book together they're you know they're definitely hand in hand um so it was great to have that opportunity which I think was unique for the book too, because I don't I don't think it usually works that way. I don't think no. I don't think usually it's a team effort like that. Co our authorship seems um like it can be a challenge and it really is like a, a blend of finding the right mix of each other to to get that to be balanced really gorgeously. Well, for our book, um we it is very, very organic. So it's kind yeah. of a wonderful thing. I don't know if it could happen exactly the same way again, Chris, but we were friends and we were trying to figure out a project that we could do together. So this really grew like a flower. It was really gonna be, okay, let's do an A to Z, um, it, it just come up with A to Z flowers and plants, and then you'll do the illustrations for it. And then it just slowly like it developed a life of its own. We've been working on it since we think what, 2018. So it's just really yeah. developed. and. It's kind of, and the amazing part I think right now is how well, because you know we don't live together in the same state, um, how well the whole thing came together when I feel like I'm reading the book and it's a whole new experience for me because I've never been able to marry the two things together the, the way that I can now. I don't know, maybe that's just oh, the way I, my- I, I feel the same way when I got the book and I actually saw it put together with all the artwork and how seamlessly it goes together, the artwork in the in the text. I couldn't believe it. I was so excited. There's some magic in there because I feel there's like there's magic. a lot of we didn't discuss every, you know, we didn't discuss every illustration. We didn't ex- discuss everything that each person was doing. And so many of these things come together. It's crazy. Like, you know, like I did an illustration of something. I'm like, oh, we should have, you know, when I was putting together the book that like this quote totally matches the illustration that I didn't check with Chris to, um, you know, figure out whether I, what to do. Like it just happened magically that I have an illustration <laughs> that matches what he wrote. So I think <laughs> we were a little charmed for this moment in time. It was charmed. It was charmed. I love that you said it developed a life of its own. I feel like that's one of those things that really, really, when, I mean, as a fellow author, when I wrote, there are many times when I don't actually know where the things are going as I am yeah. writing it sometimes. And it really yeah. does develop this life of its own. And I feel like sometimes when I try to over outline it or overthink it or over develop it before I actually see where it wants to take me, it's more of a manufactured life versus developed one. So I absolutely resonate with that 100%. That's a good comment because I think what happened is, Chris, when we got our deal, they wanted the book a lot sooner than we thought because it, at first we were told, don't get too far ahead of yourself because they're going to want to change things. And right. this publisher was like, we want it by um, 
December 1st. So in a way, Chris and I worked separately. So this is, I guess, what happened, Chris. I never thought of it this way. We were both jamming by ourselves because we were like, I got to get this deadline. So even though Chris was sending me stuff, I wasn't reading it that carefully because I was like, <laughs> I gotta, I've got seven illustrations I have to do this week. And that's why I was saying it's so magical when it came together, because I don't think we even knew what the other person was doing during the crush time. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. I hadn't I hadn't seen most of your illustrations. By the, yeah. time. by the time we turned it in, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> So we're definitely going to get more into the book, but before we dive too deep in, I would like to get um, our audience and us to get to know both of y'all a little bit better. So um, if you'd like to tell us a little bit about maybe your background, the the pathway that you found into magic, into witchcraft, how did you get here? Share a little bit about your childhood trauma. Uh, my childhood trauma. No, I had a nice childhood. I actually, uh, I kind of blame the fairies a little bit. Uh, for getting me into magic because there were uh, as a woods behind my house in Indiana where I grew up and there was a magical spot in the woods where I'm telling you, you there were fairies and I would spend every day there every day there and then cut to I'm doing my very first job I moved to New York after college and it's very stressful and I'm not handling the stress very well and I meet this witch who works in the kitchen. She was literally a kitchen witch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she was a kitchen witch. And this was back in the days I was working at a, a, a talent agency. First job, really traumatic, treated like shit, that kind of thing. And I would have to go and get coffee and Bialis for my boss in the kitchen. And, and every morning I would come in and I'd be crying, Irma, what do I do? I'm going crazy. He's driving me crazy. And she would say, oh, here's what you've got to do. And she'd pull out a little cauldron and she would take some onion skins and she would burn the onion skins to like kind of sage the sort of situation. And she would give me all these little things to do that ended up really grounding and calming me. And then I kind of forgot about it, kind of got into the whole New York thing. And then when I moved back out to California, my first love has always been gardening. And once I got into the gardening, all the green witch stuff sort of started coming back to me. And then Susan and I share a lot of common interests. And I kind of drug Susan into it with me. Um, well, I was um, I met Chris about 30 years ago. Um, I was in a band called Book of Love. And uh, we had lots of songs about like, so I've always been interested in flowers and nature and inspired by nature. And I feel like for me, art has been my solace and my place where I, um, you know, uh, my my safe space where I've always gone to um, feel good. And I think that with us, we sort of gotten together with um, uh, you know, I had been interested in 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 green witchcraft and sort of the empowerment um, uh, part of of it for women and everything like that, and we've just gotten more involved in it. I'm also a food stylist, so I do food for you know uh, magazines and TV and stuff. So I was very interested in the recipes, and and um, I'm very interested in the crafts and all that. But Chris is the garden guru, and um, I'm the kitchen witch. So that's sort of where we. <laughs> So you're the one that makes my mouth water every time I see beautiful cuisine in magazines and on TV. Yes, she is. <laughs> I am. She is. I do a lot think, for both feed and, um, you know, all different things. I think, you, I mean, you can definitely see that in the way that your illustrations have this certain almost editorial perspective to them in the way that like you really know how to capture an angle or or your your perspective is just really there like your the work in the book is gorgeous um and i think that background i didn't know that about you so i that now that you're saying that i'm like wow that makes so much it's sense. interesting you say that because i had to do something for my agency my um food styling agency a couple of weeks ago and i was saying you know this cookbook i worked on and then i was saying you know, I also have a book coming out on, uh, you know, green witchcraft where I, I, um, you know, did the illustrations instead of I painted the illustrations instead of um, styling them. And I said, which is strangely similar because it really is. I'm sort of looking at it in the same way that I would set up, you know, uh, food styling is really more about composition. You're, you're, you're making the food, but then you're composing it for the camera. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No, I think the, um, 
just even some of the the pieces of work in there i i um i keep thinking of this one i don't remember exactly what was in it but there's this little almost like russian doll vase and Oh yeah, that's the phase that I had. it, it i'm like you can tell that this is from somebody's home that they've almost like curated these very interesting pieces and styled them really particularly and the artwork is is gorgeous and i love the use of oil pastels here because again the uh the use of color is really fabulous No, I, I love what you're saying there because I think when we started doing the illustrations, we were doing like first the uh, like straight, we're going to Queens and Lace, we're going to do that. And then somehow it became very conceptual. And then we were starting to incorporate these personal items in and, and sort of, I feel like we got to do everything. I, um, the ending of the book, I mean, I appreciate you saying this about the illustrations. The ending of the, the last page of the book is this, I've always loved vintage Valentines, you know, uh, what they are. And I, we did this like so mode it be with the vintage Valentine. I don't know if you've seen the book. I don't know if the, does the ebook have um, images? Uh, yeah It it's does. all laid out Oh, just really? as the I, I i'm pulling Oh, okay. it up right now um yeah no like gorgeous But as the last page, you can, that, that you'll see like it says so mode it be with this. It was like an old vintage Valentine and it was one of the last illustrations. And I was like, go for it. What have you, what, what little thing haven't you done? that you want to do. And, and that that's always been like a, something I like. So I sort of adapted like an old uh, vintage Valentine is, into the last page. Sort And of, my my favorite page, that's all folks. my favorite page is the uh, beginning where it says this book belongs to and has a place where you can put your name. That That's, reminds yeah, that's something I always wanted to do. So I got to do, there's a lot of like check marks on this book, I think. <laughs> the nameplate on the front was beautiful. I noticed that myself as well. Um, uh, because I was interested in actually making some sort of artistic work on my Etsy shop that could be PDF downloaded as some sort of nameplate that could be put. That's cool. Could it Oh, could yeah. be put in, put in any book, and then I ended up kind of like stepping away from that. Just now, I kind of want to go back to it because y'all have inspired me a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love a an uh like a fontis piece um kind of uh thing in older books. So you've written the book, The Green Witch's Guide to Magical Plants and Flowers, and it's all about. green witchcraft can you talk about what that means to be a green witch in both of your practices Um, well, for me, it's it's a lot about the connection to nature. It For me, um, it's a natural extension of me being kind of a plant nerd, kind of a gardening nerd. And it's uh, our practice is really based on magical herbalism, which I can point out. I've been show I've been telling everybody about this book that I'm obsessed with. That's kind of my Bible. Um, it's called the cunning. Do you guys know this? The Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs. Oh yes, I think I've had a few copies in my lifetime. I've had I've had more than one copy because I'll get I used to get them when I was a teenager and I would get them and then I would give them to people and then I never see them again so I had Yeah. I bought 3 or 4. I don't have it anymore but yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Mm <laughs> yeah, it's one of those books that you lend it out and you're basically giving it as a gift. Um, so it's it's really based on using the power of each plant. the um the kind of the energy of each plant to enhance whatever your intention and your spells are so um and you know we we were saying that for us it's all used for good like it's all either love based or trying to fix something ease some tension that sort of thing and it's a individual practice it's not a coven type thing Um, Susan and I are both very free form with it. Um, we encourage people to be free form with it. Um, you know, I have that book, but on the other hand, I'll, I'll make observations with plants. I always talk about using, um, what is it? Morning glories. Like, I, I, I don't know if morning glories are in here, but I just, as a gardener know that a morning glory is super tenacious And we'll reseed and reseed. So if I, so I'm doing a spell bag or a spell jar or a sachet, and I want to add tenacity to my spell, I'll put in some seeds. 
but make sure you don't eat those because they're toxic. <laughs> I love that you brought that up. I talk about morning glory all the time. It's one of my yeah? favorite plants. I, it's, oh. I have a whole poem in my book all about uh, morning glory and specifically the Ipamea family line. And I, love them. I, I absolutely use it as a breakthrough charm to able to push through tough situations. See? Yeah. Yes, to overcome because the vines do. They will take over your yard if you let them and they your always, house and your house exactly <laughs> i have them in my it's so crazy you say that because i have a red and a purple morning glory that are potted in my my patio garden and the red morning glory continuously tries to get in my my patio door like it keeps the vines keep climbing into my door and i'm like no get out you are not coming no in no, here. no you don't live here yeah <laughs> no they just want to be with you and I also love earlier that you mentioned um, uh, someone who was a mentor to you, Burning Onion Skins. That, that to me says so much about understanding the power of uh, onions being a, a, a vector for banishment, for cleansing, for getting rid of, of, of you know, baneful and just kind of nasty energies that are around you. Burning Onion Skins is so, so, so accessible. Anyone can get that at the grocery store. Well, it's a wonderful thing to use. And, you know, that's that's with the whole book. We wanted it to be kind of like how Irma was able to make it so accessible to me. Like, oh, here's the thing that I have sitting here in the kitchen. You can just use this. We tried to make everything in the book. The spells are very simple. The ingredients are very simple. We didn't want it to be intimidating. We wanted it. We wanted people to feel like they're empowered by it. And hopefully also empowered to create their own stuff. So yes. I mean, that's what we're looking for is people to be inspired by our work and then create your own spell that we're kind of not, I'm not into rules. That's why I consider myself more of like an art witch. So the idea is that this should inspire you to, to take this practice and do it yourself and not feel like you have to follow all these rules and you have to, you know, not step on a crack and you have to use this tool or you can't uh, create uh, what you want. You can't manif manifest what you want. Absolutely. No secret handshakes. No secret handshakes. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay to step on the crack. You're not going to great break your mother's back. It's just fine. <laughs> now I'm curious. You both said that um, it's a very free flowing thing. It's, it's mostly about working with nature, but I did notice that neither of you mentioned necessarily if there's any religious affiliations, do you mind speaking up or talking about is there, uh, would you identify as possibly Wiccan or Pagan or are you unidentifiable? I'd say I'm identifiable for myself. I mean, love is the, uh, um, the idea and, and self uh, care and we're looking to help people in that way. And um, yeah, I'm I unidentifiable. I wouldn't. Yeah, I would agree. Which always just works for me. <laughs> <laughs> and which is what you make it you know what i mean it's in and uh, you know you're taking the word and i i don't like what we're saying like that there's boundaries and there's those ways that we um have to define it absolutely absolutely because to be perfectly honest i think a lot of people find comfort in in setting boundaries or definitions to where their belief system begins or ends and sometimes yes. there's absolute comfort and having it be boundaryless um, and, and being unidentifiable is a way to identify that is a way to identify as uh, I do think that's absolutely something that can be part of the category of what do you call yourself? How do you feel about your practice? Because I do know growing up in the 90s, Wicca was pretty much it. That's that's all there was. And, and I didn't even realize until so much later that I didn't have to just define myself. If I'm a witch, you must be Wiccan, period. That was what I was introduced to. Well, I think we were also inspired by all these things. There's a lot of Greek mythology. There's a lot of um, herb herbology. There's a lot of different things in our book. And that, I would say, is our philosophy a little bit more than one type of thing. Just these are our interests, you know. Mm -hmm. And this is a jump off point for you as the, the reader to... Um, you know, take the spell and, and make your own spell and take this tea and add mint and do change things. And like you said, with the morning glory, but don't add morning glory, like um, create your own, um, your own vision. This is our vision. Yeah, we liked, we, speaking of like Greek mythology, we kind of took it, we wanted to get to know every plant as best as we could. So 
We talk about how to grow the plant. We talk about the plant in history. My favorite, I don't know if you guys had a chance to read it, but is is the um is what goes along with um what is it? it yeah, it's Hyacinth, the story of Hyakinthos, mm -hmm. who was this Spartan prince, apparently very hot, and um Apollo. Uh, was in love with him, as was Zephyr, who's the god of the West Wind. And this legend goes, I love these legends so much. And the legend goes that Apollo was teaching young Hyakinthos how to throw a discus, as you do, <laughs> on a date. <laughs> and Zephyr got so jealous that he blew a wind and the, and the discus hit Hyakinthos in the face and killed him. And where the blood dropped... That's where the flowers grew. And so Apollo, in his grieving, named the flowers Hyacinth in honor of Hyakinthos. So a lot of times for same-sex spells, we'll use Hyacinth, which I love. Who knew? Who I knew? I love that story. And I remember there was a version that I read once where it was, um, it was, it was exactly like that, except one of the things they said was, he was so heartbroken to lose him and he didn't want to lose him to the underworld. So he, he, he turned him into the flower so his soul would never descend all the way down. He could keep him oh, and, and yeah. see him every time it bloomed. And I absolutely have associated that flower with queer love, with same-sex love, with same-sex spellcraft. Um, there's so much symbolism when you understand the connection of flowers, plants, fruits to stories. Mm -hmm. The pomegranate itself connects back uh, um, on, on multitudes of levels, especially when it comes to the underworld, to per yes. Persephone, to, to, to Persephone, gates right. and traveling between liminal places. I mean, this has been a love forever. Book of Love has a song that's about Persephone, that that, that myth is in, and that's from... What year, Chris, is that from like 1988? 89, maybe. maybe. Yeah. So Always. we've been thinking about the same things for a while. Yeah, we've been thinking about all this our whole lives. <laughs> all of the um, plant lore that filters through. I mean, it's it's really interesting you bring up um, uh, the hyacinth, of course. Um, I'm doing some re research for an upcoming um, project I'm working on on funerary plants and of course hyacinths being one of those funerary flowers um, for in the Victorian era that people would use to honor the dead but also really it's because it kind of covers up the stink of decaying bodies um, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know it is a plant of mourning and is often because of the myth seen as a plant of mourning um, uh, as well as cypress because uh, Apollo loved his youths and and accidentally killing them and so immortalizing them into plants like that but then of course you know um the hyacinth has also kind of always been secretly associated with um homosexuality uh the hyacinth society um of course hey. and you have the the famous hey. lavender papers um during Ooh. the lavender scare and, and things like that um but you uh, at the start of the book, it comes with a set of suggested tools. And if you have to choose <laughs> the most important things, um, what would be the top three for practitioners looking to get started? I mean, you mentioned, of course, tea kettles to collect because they're beautiful or teapots, which I agree. I love it. I love a teapot. But what would you say would be <laughs> some of the most important things for the both of you? Well, I think your most important tool are your hands. You know, I, I uh, yeah, the body, yeah. As a stylist as well, I think that's your most important tool and what's going on up, up, up here and your vision is the most important tool that you have. The other things are just things to help you along um, to what you're you're doing. But, and you, you brought up the, the teacups, your interests, things that you love, beautiful things that, that, that speak to you. You, you have a ladle that you love or that was your grandmother's or, um, you found it in an antique store. And, and I think those are, you know, I, also as a stylist, you know, you need to have a good knife. You need to like have certain things, but um, also the things that you, um, you really, that really speak to you, I think are important. So I, I'm not a big person that thinks that, you know, it's all about the tools. I think it's all about what you do with them and your intention. But I will say, 
That being said, <laughs> I'm nothing without all my jars that keeps all my herbs. <laughs> and I'm a I'm jar very, hoarder myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't have enough jelly jars and pickle jars. Um, and also uh, the little cauldron comes in handy. I will say Absolutely. having a cauldron is very good to have. <laughs> you know, which is recycled. So we have all our recycled jars and a lot of, um, uh, you know, vintage items. Yeah. yeah. We, we I was might. at a, uh, I was just saying, I was at a, a farmer's market recently and this guy who sells, um, he, he grows uh, and and farms uh, olive wood and he, he, he carves and sands and creates all sorts of things out of this gorgeous wow. really really silky soft to the touch ar uh, um, olive wood and I ended up buying I just bought a, sp a wooden spoon from him oh, I was I like for some reason the feeling of this this extremely yeah. like like it's hard to explain how soft this olive wood is it's mm -hmm. it's you can tell it's made with love I have a wood burning kit I want to burn some symbols into the handle and I want to make this my kind of kitchen witchery tool I want to use this to wand. stir my intentions and things my kitchen wand exactly yeah. <laughs> yes I think that's great and we you know we're so inspired by the craftsmen who do things like that I would love to I'd love to see that spoon <laughs> I'll send you a picture <laughs> yeah yeah I mean Art. You love all that kind of, um, you know, artisan, uh, artisan everything, you know, whether it's crafts or food or um, or, or vintage items, uh, you know, uh, to personalize your um, your craft or whatever you want to call it is really important to me. Absolutely. Now, this book focuses on using plants for love magic. Um, but when I started getting deeper into the book, because I kind of was expecting this to be just, you know, uh, flowers and plants and how to use it in love magic. But I was really pleasantly surprised about how deep and kind of how deep, but also how kind of like it casts a much wider net. It puts little fingers and lots of pies. I really appreciated how you did that from page to page, including with the art. And um, one of the things that I noticed is it really, really gets into other areas outside of just love. It gets into luck. It gets into love, uh, or lust. It gets into prosperity and even protection. Can you talk about why it was important to incorporate all these other aspects into this into this work of art of yours? I would say on the surface, it had to do with the fact that any given plant will have more than one property. What unites all these plants is their love properties, but they also are, a lot of them are protection plants. A lot of them are good luck, a lot of them. So we kind of wanted to incorporate that into the whole shamas, you know, the whole shim. What's, what's the, what's the Yiddish word I'm looking for? The Mishigash. Um, <laughs> we're trying to incorporate right. the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's it. I think it's just that the plants themselves have all those characteristics and we didn't want to ignore that. No, I was just saying, you know, we started with the idea of love and the, we kind of filled out the other aspects of, of, of it as we went along. Yeah. We tried to do, we tried to do this thing we call magical mindfulness where it's really about self-care and self-love and kind of. What, what can you do within the confines of this plant and this initial spell that is something that will give back to yourself, that will ground you? So we try to have that in every chapter, too. We we call it magical mindfulness. Yeah, for us, that's sort of our, if you're asking about our brand of magic, I think the magical mindfulness is sort of our, our specific brand. There's so much... Um... I, I say love magic, and of course that comes with a connotation of of what that means. And so reading it, it's it's quite there is a, a level of a broadness of self care of of a bit of self agency and individuality with that. I think as well, and that makes sense though with the the things that you have chosen can be. Um, I mean, just. I, and I'm I'm just floored by this illustration for the for the Narcissus, um, which of course um, another one of uh, ill-fated youths of Greek mythology, um, uh, staring into your reflection too long. But the mirror with the Narcissus on the back of it is is absolutely stunning. But what a better plant to recognize self-love and and also becoming enamored with the self hopefully not too enamored uh lest you drown yourself mm -hmm. in your own um 
narcissism. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, it, they're beautiful flowers. There's so much uh, good things in there as well, like your basil recipe, um, as well as your... Um, the which sound delicious i'm like oh my god i'm that what can i make for lunch out of this book and it's like the <laughs> walnuts and blue cheese stuffed figs um or dates i always get the two figs, confused yeah. figs um and like uh, oh my god gorgeous like and and so delectable but i think that's a really good way to illustrate how magic is not devoid it's not it should not be this you know dress up thing only that we do um when we need to right it, you can pull these things into your food and into your drink and into the the way that it can be quite all-encompassing and i think you did that really well both of oh, you a passionate life uh you know that's it's sort of a a life choice or lifestyle to be passionate about um everything you do mm -hmm, yeah. absolutely yeah, agree. It was funny. Um, as I was writing this question, and and as as you were answering it earlier, Chris, I was thinking a lot about when it comes to understanding the various properties of plants, and how a lot of times newer practitioners might mistake that this plant means this one thing, and then this is the one thing this plant means, That's and there. There is so much more. And I used to do this little segment on my page called um, It's Time for Tea Magic. And I would literally go into my cabinet and I'd pull out a random or, I, you know, I would be random. I'd plan it in advance. But <laughs> I pull, pull out a tea bag and I'd look at the yeah. ingredients because you might be pulling out, say, like hibiscus tea. But when you actually look at the back of it and you'll find the ingredients don't just have hibiscus. They also might have a little bit of, of this herb. They might have a little bit of lemon. They might have a little bit of, of black pepper. Like I was surprised by some of them. It might have chicory. I mean, maybe not with hibiscus, but I, I noticed there was a yeah. plethora of other herbs that were in there. And I would do these little videos that would show how you could take these pre-made tea bags that you just get at the grocery store. And you could put a specific level of intention based off of the, the correspondences that go with those herbs. Oh, so yeah. Instead of it just being, say, like a, a hibiscus tea, it could also be a tea that might bring self-love. It might bring, um, you know, put a little sweetener in there and turn it into a nice sugar daddy, <laughs> sugar daddy uh, potion to attract you a sugar daddy. Sweetness. That's sugar right. Yeah. There, there is so much more to it. Made and I feel a, love like... potion a couple of weeks ago with uh, vodka and cinnamon and uh, cloves and uh, decanted it into some little bottles. That would be one good love potion right there. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I think with um, of course, love filters. There's um, I mean, a, a kind of uh, disassociating it from like a love drug, which is something that was slipped to people, um, you know, in a very covert and uh, salacious manner. But when we also think of contemporary ways to do love magic, or even like consensual and and inviting love in, I think um you know making or decanting like plant material that of course your fruits and your flowers and then um going from there but alcohol is also a really great way um to do that it's you know the the social lubricant so i love a i love a little boozy love beverage i wish there was more um ah. there uh, in orlando there's a bar called cocktails and screams and it's a halloween themed bar but when you go to the back there's a secret like speakeasy craft cocktail bar literally just called the craft and it's of course a, oh, a, a witchcraft bar um the drinks yeah. are a little too expensive for me but um they are it is a craft cocktail bar and it's really delightful and i i think this idea of engendering love through um sociability it doesn't even have to be alcohol of course but yeah i think those things are brilliant and delicious oh well, it's just fun i mean and halloween i made this witch's brew with kiwi so it had a green mm. and, and mm. i forget i think it was a champagne punch with kiwi so it was um green in color and it's and it's fun and i think wouldn't i do the pretzel store like little witch's fingers with the pretzels and just also make it, you know, fun and, and uh, you know, uh, it sort of whimsical, that kind of thing. Food stylist background. <laughs> yeah, she can't help it. <laughs> I love it.
I remember a few years ago, it was summer solstice and I wanted to get my friends together. We were coming out of quarantine and, and we wanted to do something outside that would be a little bit more like safe and under crowd. So we have like this dog park downstairs with my pet, with my condo. And I have brought a picnic table out there. We just invited like a small group of us. And for about 10 days before I had two huge Mason jars filled with vodka and strawberries. And I had never done this before. I'd never, you know, uh, uh, extracted, you know, berries and fruit into alcohol. And I was like, this should be a fun summer drink. Within 10 days, those strawberries were former ghosts of themselves. They were solid white. And all of the vodka had soaked up this deep red. I mean, like it was this beautiful candy apple colored red. And we just... We just serve that. You know, I think I'm going to make some of that because strawberry is one of our our, um, magical, you know, flowers and herbs plants uh, for our P-Town opening. Because we're going to do like a big champagne, the champagne punch that's in the book. We're going to serve a lot of our like for our book signing in P-Town. We're going to serve a lot of the foods from our love meal. I think we're going to serve the the punch and maybe the figs and maybe some other, you know, snacky treats. Uh, I want to go. I will tell you that was, and, and maybe it has to do with the fact that it was one of our first gatherings after really being isolated for a period of time. We were so jovial. We got so tipsy so fast. People (laughs) didn't even need mixers. We literally poured it with water and ice. It was just so delicious. The natural sweetness from those ripe strawberries. Like we were in the best mood. It was the most amazing. I mean, it's not the most amazing party, but it felt like we were really having just such a jovial moment. And I and was the so strawberry drink made it so special. Absolutely. It made it so special. I still remember it to this day. I'll probably have a little less next time, mostly because all those <laughs> natural fruit sugars did not do well on my head the next day. <laughs> but I think I like that. I think I'm going to whip up a batch of that, get some um, strawberries from the farmer's market. So we got some nice organic strawberries and brew that like a week or two beforehand. And I You'll can bring love it. Jars. Yeah. It's so good. It's so, like you don't even need to mix it. Water, water and ice. Yeah. Well, yes. and did you, how, like, how, how many, like, did you use a ton of strawberries? I filled it about almost two thirds of the way up with strawberries. And they were the pretty big mason jars. I, I, I was like, who, maybe everyone won't want to drink it. They were gone. No uh-huh. None. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, it's so unique. Well, I make limoncello a lot too. That's another mm, great. Delicious. Um, uh, you know, thing that you can make and everybody enjoys. You know, it's made with love, and yes. that's the reason why I like cooking. And it's something that you you do for people. You know, you do for other people, and you bring everybody together that way. There's this really fun book that they turned into a show a while ago, The Witches of East End. I'm not sure if you've ever read it um, by Michelle Reed or or Rochelle Rochelle Mead or seen the show. It was fun. It was canceled a while ago, but it was super oh. cute. The many men of the main characters, Freya, she works as a as as a bartender, and she was you know her gift was love magic and she created all of these little potions behind the bar that no one realized was bringing matches together or outing a cheating boyfriend and it it was watching that show while in quarantine which inspired me with the summer solstice coming up to create the strawberry vodka so it was this really interesting opportunity to use our fruits our flowers our 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 plants imagine if i had put a little rosemary maybe a little mint in there yeah like these things could be absolutely magical cocktails so i I love that you brought that up i did a summer solstice story where we did all flavored vodkas as well i did cilantro and what was the other one i had a lemon one and it was it was great to go with all that i did sort of like a like a smorgasbord type kind of meal with gravlocks and homemade things like that Mm -hmm. i will say for anyone listening you probably skip the one that I did, which was um, a, a, a sun tea of uh, rosemary and lavender. I thought it would just be like so fresh and floral. It was soapy. It tasted like yeah. I was drinking soap. Yeah. So I want to talk about Two Witches Saith because I actually wrote some of these down. We, we talked about this in the pre-show before before we started recording. And, and, and I'm really, really glad that you brought this up because I actually really, really appreciate it. I love a good limerick. I love rhymes. I think they stick in our minds so we can remember them long term and in the future. And you I love almost that- said a limerick right there. 
I, 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 you were really close. (laughs) I thought you were going to break into one. I know. I was, it was so close, but I loved, so one of the first ones to create a love spell that is simple and true, have your crush share an apple with you. And then another one was basil, basil, fresh and sweet, allow two angry hearts to meet. Uh, They were so simple. But it absolutely made sense. And it was a way in which you could take poetry and take simple something as simple as what might sound like a nursery rhyme into yeah. how you might orally pass down a type of craft or folk magic tradition. And and I would love if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit more about uh, what your research was like researching for this book. There was even a part where you had uh, sections on did you know parts. Those are also my some of my second favorite ones. The did you know historical facts. Tell us a little bit more about the process of researching for this book. Well, I was I was an English lit major, so research comes naturally to me. And I'm the type of person who is less likely to read a novel and more likely to read a reference book. And all my books piled up are old plant reference books. So anyway, the research is something that I just love to do. Um, and so it's funny that you talk about the little um, the little rhymes because that's how the book started. It was just the flower and then just the little rhyme. That was going to be our little tiny incantation. And then everything else, the did you knows, and the green thumb and all that, that came later when I was like, yeah, let's make this more interesting. Let's, let's, let's find out the history of, you know, hyacinth and get all, get into that. I just, for, for me, it's just a, an outpour. It's an outspring of me being a nerd. I'm just such a nerd when it comes to plants. And I'm a nerd when it comes to information. So you got me. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure what Chris said, because basically the book was going to be one illustration for each flower and the little incantation. And that was it. That's what we that's what that's our book, like a little, you know, so simple. <laughs> yeah. A little ode to each of the flowers. That's how we started. And it did really grow. And like Chris is saying, I don't know which came first. We didn't have then we had. OK, let's do a description of every of oh, every. Right. Okay, then what about this do you know? Like it all came really organically. We didn't kind of, um, and then the magical mindfulness might have been the last. I think that was the last. you added? Yeah, I think that was the last thing we came up with. And now, Susan, as the illustrator, I'm sure you had to do a little either research or looking online. Did you, did you, when it came to actually drawing and depicting these plants, because I'm sure you didn't always have the exact plant in front of you. Did you find... um, there was well, any interesting it's a wonderful experience in that part. because when you draw something you see it like no, like no, no other you know what i mean you yeah. really see the you know the shape and the color and the crevices and all that kind of stuff so it was a wonderful experience for me and yes sometimes i drew from life and sometimes i did research which you know i also love doing like i learned so much about plants from i've always learned so much about plants from chris but this was a new level and um it was exciting to, like I said, then we started to do more conceptual ideas and what else would I would like, what I'd like to do with this and sort of go into a lot of different areas of things that I was interested in. You know, I could draw like, you know, mythology things forever. I I always did. Um, it's just <laughs> kind of funny. It all kind of came together in one book. <laughs> it really, um, the, the whole thing has quite a touch of, uh, truly, it's it's such an organic thing, and what I mean by that is that it it really is. Uh, uh, I I hope saying it's like a slice of life book on witchcraft is not anything because I definitely mean that as like the biggest compliment. It's touchable, it's feelable. Like Marshall said, there's so much texture to it, both in the um the formatting of the book as well as the illustrations of course and then just everything that's in it is so I don't know like it's it's just gorgeous like you just want to like read the whole thing you want to have it present I I would want to present this to people like just having it out like wow what a gorgeous book and there's so there's just such a gorgeousness to it that's that's the only way that I could describe it is gorgeous thank thank you I mean we thought we wanted to create this little grimoire like bedside table book not a coffee table book that you keep it on your bedside table and then you look at these and if you're like me i think for me 
I love images and I love looking at art. And for me, these the, that I wanted to make something that I would look at and it would uh, it would fill me. It would inspire me to do it, to do the same thing. Um, that's the research. If you're asking me the research that I did, I probably bought every single book on um, really more like whether it was on witchcraft, but sort of more like all the illustrated books and really kind of um, learned all about the the genre and what I liked and what I didn't like. And um, and in our case, we were lucky enough to have somebody that could spend all like we were able to spend all this time on it because it would have been really expensive if you, you know, um, if it wasn't our book. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, the reason I wanted to ask specifically also when it comes to the research about about illustrating is is one of the things that came up in, in when I was writing before was I wanted to include something about matter root because I was going to include the aspect of dying with matter root. But in the process mm -hmm. of, I had to describe what the plant looked like. So then I looked it up online and then it was like, oh, it has these shaped leaves. And then I was like, oh, the berries are black. Oh, okay. Oh, it also grows this tall. And then it comes, the matter root literally comes from drying out the root. But the, before you could do that, you have to shave down the edges. So the process of actually finding yeah. out how you get the dye, the red powder directly from matter root was quite a journey to actually seeing what a matter root plant looks like. Yeah. It was a little bit of love. Yeah. It, it, it was. It's. A, I'm just sorry. Sorry. It was a labor of love. I loved spending the time on this book, and I would love to do it again. You know, uh, it, it's just a wonderful thing to do. But yeah, the, it we've just put in countless, countless, countless hours to kind of create that. Because what you're saying about that, we kind of learned. Um, but if it's something you love to do, you know, you have the energy to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, hopefully we can get paid a little better. But you know, you love to do. You, know, you love to do, and there's a deadline. <laughs> Well, the love shows. I mean, it, it's um, it reads almost as is this art book just because of the way that it's formatted and things like that. Um, you know, the the words and the script like being intermingled with um, illustration and and the use of color here is is just fabulous. Well, that's what we wanted, and we really thank you that you appreciated that and you noticed it. it means a lot. Thank you. So I'm curious about something. I noticed in the intro, you say that in your practice, green witchcraft is only used for good. I'd be curious if you could tell us more about that and more so if you only practice personally benefic magic or that you prefer to use other allies for baneful work. No, we're uh, we're good witches. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, no, we're 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 in it for the the positive stuff. Um I do not have an outlet other than um, my garden shovel for my any <laughs> when I need to work some heavy stuff out. I just go dig. <laughs> so what I'm hearing is when you want to do baneful work, you get a garden shovel and <laughs> right. I was like, yeah, and you put somebody's name in the ground. Yeah, like, I dig yeah. a little hole in the backyard. And in the wise, right? Yeah, and no. in the wise words of Angela Bassett. <laughs> In the wise words of Angela Bassett, when I plant a bitch, I expect her to stay planted. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> we're, we're, we're good kids. <laughs> now, I also saw that in the book, there is a, you talk about your garden and, and, and gardening a lot. That's a really, really big yeah. part of your life. Can you tell us a little bit more about not necessarily what it means you to garden, but the aspect of gardening in your life, how you incorporate it into your practice, what it means to you. What is your favorite couple of things to grow? Um, gosh, asking me my favorite things to grow. I I tend to have plant crushes every <gasps> every season. You know, like one year I'm all about roses. One year I'm all about salvias. One year I'm all about, you know, California natives um uh what's and, going on this year chris yeah what's going on now you're in love what's, with well my crush are a it's a uh plant that's native to the mediterranean called candy tuft see this is what a nerd i am and i am obsessed with candy tuft i have candy tuft in all my beds it's an adorable flower <laughs> 
Um, what were you asking? I forgot. I started talking I'll about have to look that one up too. Well, oh, no, no, that's okay. I love it. I wanted to hear all about your summer fling with Candy Tuft. Um, <laughs> they smell really good, don't they? That's why they're called Candy Tuft. Uh, we have, I know I have some in this neighborhood somewhere. They, they, they go from purple to pink to kind of uh, white. And they're really sweet. They're very cottagey looking. Uh-huh. Um, but I really forgot what you were asking. She wanted like, to talk about your garden. Tell them. Yeah. About- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So my garden for me is like a moving meditation. I mean, honestly, since I was a little kid and I... I I've been gardening since I was a really little kid. Like if there were flowers that I loved... And don't, I don't recommend people do this, but I was a little kid, so I didn't know. If there were flowers that I loved growing in the woods, I would dig them up and bring them into my parents' yard <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then grow them. And I, you know, I kept them alive. Um, and so for me, it's really a moving meditation. I really believe, I mean, the reason that I believe in plant energies is just for the simple fact that when you go out and garden and you're making contact you know, some people call it earthing, um, you know, when you're touching the ground and touching the plants and touching the dirt, that you do get something back. You know, you might just go out to weed a little bit, but when you're done, you're calm, you're grounded, you're, you feel energetic. So I've always gotten off on the thing that you get back from putting out into the garden, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Touch uh, grass. I, I deeply look forward to spring setting up my garden on my patio. I'm in a condo deeply. on the second floor. So I deeply look forward. And I usually mm-hmm. always try to do it on the equinox. That that's that's yeah. what makes sense to me. And and that's the weekend that I'll usually do it. And there is just absolutely something so it's not that it's primal, it but it does feel very, very um removed from the mundaneness of my from life the, from the crap of uh, the busyness of your mind yes it is a very meditative exercise there is something that i love about going outside letting my dogs in the patio because i have a little patch of grass that i change out once a month and just checking on my garden what's sprouted today how tall have the vines oh gotten did any flowers bloom and what's more exciting than going away for a couple of days and coming back and seeing like oh what's blooming what's you know I, it, I I just nerd out that way. Absolutely. And and it's funny, back to Morning Glory again, because I know we both are big Morning Glory lovers. Um, when I first started getting into cultivating and working with that plant, one of the things that I noticed about it, just by doctrine of signatures, was that it only blooms between sunrise, uh, at sunrise. So it's a liminal time. And then the other Epimea plant, uh, a moonflower, only blooms at sunset. Yeah. Exactly. So, so these flowers that that grow on this very, very strong and 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 hefty willpower plant only end up blooming at these in between times. For me, that makes it a magical flower. And a yes. lot of times, the more I end up kind of cultivating and working with relationships with my garden, I start to see little things about what the I think these plants are trying to tell me. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, the lesson, another lesson from sunflowers is to uh, to have a siesta in the middle of the day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. All these flowers are teaching us so much if you pay attention and you listen. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, listen to the flowers. I think that's a good, a good thing. Did you find in the process, Susan, of, of, illustrating them, of putting color to them, of putting outlines on paper. Did you find that that was a meditative process of yes, connecting with that plant? Talking. You're talking about, you know, your garden and you're creating things and making things grow. And that's what it feels like to create art. And you are getting up the next morning and you're looking at the drawing that you did. And you're like, it's just, it really, it really fills you. You know what I mean? It's sort of just, um, validated kind of a lifetime of creativity and why I need to do all these things. Like you said, you're in the, with the plant, get your hands dirty, get your hands in there. And what, what this kind of process and these rituals do, we talk about making tea or, you know, sweeping the kitchen or, you know, uh, being in the garden. It's just like it, uh, these rituals, what they do for us and what creating kind of makes us feel like, you know, it's sort of, for me, it's kind of my, my life blood, the same way that Chris's, is talking about his garden. I feel that way about 
uh, the need to create. Yeah, I think that makes us a nice match for something like this. That's sweet, Chris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, before we close out, I I have to say this just because, you know, I kind of peed a little bit as soon as I opened up the book and saw the foreword as you take a sip from your coffee cup right there. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did that for you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Your foreword <laughs> is written by Deborah Harry, Debbie Harry, Blondie, like Blondie, the, Blondie, the original OG. Um, yeah. As I said, I peed myself in excitement when I saw that. Um, Me too. I, I did. I was, I was so curious <laughs> One, why slash how was was Debbie Harry the person that went with the with the with the forward? And lastly, well, is Debbie Harry a little witchy herself? We got. Well, I, I I will say that Debbie is magical, as you know. She is a magic uh, person, and magic comes out of her, and um, she loves nature. Our our one of. One of my connections with Debbie, I've loved Debbie since I was a kid. Um, and then we became friends when I moved to New York magically. And um, she has been, not, she has been one of the biggest supporters of this book. I told her about it early on and she even, she even kind of embarrassed me at a show by saying, listen, people, this is Chris Young. He's got a book coming out, pay attention. And I thought I would die. I and, would die. <laughs> and so then when we were putting the book together, I was like, hey, would, you know, would you want to write a blurb for this? And she was like, yes, you know, yes, yes, yes. And then she wrote this beautiful thing that you've read. And we were like, mm, can we use that as the forward? Because it's so beautiful. And she's so captured what it's like to come to my garden. And, and it just feels like such a blessing because she's such a muse. So we and again, Chris, it was amazing because when she sent it to us, Chris sent it to me, and I'm like, she wrote a forward. She wrote, wrote a forward. forward. Yeah, like, this that's was funny. Like that in the last minute of the book, but truthfully, it's a testament to Chris because uh, Chris is such a wonderful person, and he's she's he's she he's been so kind to Debbie over the years, and so. Um, he's a very loyal person. And I think that Debbie wanted to do something special for Chris. And that's just another part of the magical thing about this book that I think that's happened. Like people have really, you know, really showed up for us. And I think that Debbie wanted to do something and and she did, you know, and then we had to come back and say, would could you, will you, will you be OK if this is the forward of the book? Which, yeah, you can, know, we put, can we put you on the cover? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that Wait. wasn't the intention at all. We were just we we only thought of the idea to have her do a blurb because she said that thing at the concert to Chris. And I and I said to the editor, would it be something that you'd want to have like Debbie Harry like do an endorsement? And they're like, yeah, we like famous people. You know, they were they're like, yeah, duh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'll do. That'll do. <laughs> but um, oh, yeah, but I so love it. I love that love organically her. happened as well. Yeah, she's there's a lot to love there with Debbie. Well, I she was up. she's a beekeeper. I don't know if you know that, but she's a beekeeper. I I got her started keeping bees. I did not I know that. that. Are That's you a beekeeper yeah. as well? I was, I was in the hospital a while back. And when I was in the hospital, the bees left, um, which I think is no coincidence. They left their hive when I was gone, but um, I got her into it. And on the last Blondie album, a portion of the sales, I think even went to saving the bees. So wow. yeah, she's, she's, she's a nature girl. Well, you know, this is a queer witch podcast, so we could not finish this interview without at least bringing up the power and magic of Debbie Harry blessing this so book pleased. with her with I her forward. I couldn't agree more. I thought Marshall was going to um uh snatch my wig off because I they had their <laughs> autocorrect misspelled Debbie Harry to what it what was it? It was like, it was like Denny. Denny, Denny. Denny Harry. I was like who the heck is Denny Harry? <laughs> and then, but they didn't see her. Marshall didn't see that and was like, Debbie Harry, Blondie, Debbie Harry, Blonde. I was like, no, I know who Debbie Harry is, but I, <laughs> I but, said, uh, we, we got it all resolved. <laughs> I sent him two TikTok videos of like compilations of all of Debbie Harry's work. And I was like, if you do not know who this is, I am taking your gay card and you are no longer invited to the club. 
Uh, no, I love Blondie. <laughs> Loved it. Oh my Heart god. Glass. Yeah. I, I, Gotta it's love my Blondie. jam. Viva Blondie. <laughs> Uh, so before we sign out, I would love for you to share um, where can people find you? Do you have any final words? Uh, uh, um, are there any projects you might be working on in the future that you'd like to bring up that you want to draw our listeners' attention to? Uh, uh, Chris, we'll start with you. Well, we're working on an Oracle deck right now. <gasps> oh, I know. I know. It's kind of fun. Yeah. It's really fun. Um, we've been doing it not in a rushed way that we did the the book. Well, I say rushed. It was four years, but um, <laughs> <laughs> we're doing. Uh, it the was really six months were kind of like a blur. Yeah. But. The last six months were like, <laughs> but we're working on an oracle deck. I want everyone to remember that you are the magic. That the magic comes from you. It doesn't come from a book. It doesn't come from your wand. It doesn't come from your broom. So um, that's what I want to leave people with. And then Susan, can you tell them how to find us? Sure. So on Instagram, you can contact us on Two Green Witches, the number two. Number two. Yes. And then the book will be out um, June 6th. But this is airing like in, a, a, this will air like in June 12th or something. June 20th. Uh, June 20th. June 20th. Okay. Yeah. So, so the book is available cool. everywhere the books are sold. Um, we encourage you to uh, buy from your local independent bookstores if you can. But if not, you can buy it on Amazon. But if not, it's at Target. <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect. So Target.com will work too, or, yeah. or uh, Barnes & Noble. Uh, a lot of times yeah. I can't find things in bookstores locally sometimes, but a lot of times you can also just go to the actual bookstore's website and you'll be able to order it. Yeah, um, that's that's always... Nice. It's always wonderful to go to your local bookstores, and if they don't have it in stock, you can always ask to see if they'll pull that's, it in. Because we need to keep these bookstores alive, and for people who love books, that I do, you know, like it's I it's do. a dying. Even when you were talking about the book today, it reminded me. It's just such a dying, you know, art form to be looking at images in a book, and you know, we don't have magazines anymore, and I I still, I'm an old girl, like that kind of, um, you know, being able to touch things. Me yeah. too. Me too. Absolutely. You've been listening to Southern Bramble, a podcast of Crooked Ways. I'm Marshall. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at the Witch of Southern. Or no, just Witch of Southern Light. There's no the. <laughs> you can um uh buy my art at Redbubble on my Redbubble shop. You can check my uh grimoire page PDFs on my Etsy shop. Uh, if you would like to read my blog at the Southern Light Diaries on Pathios Pagan, everything that I have that you'd like to, to, to get in contact with is in the link tree in my bio and pretty much everyone on my platforms on Twitter. It's Marshall WSL. If you'd like to buy my book, please do Cunning Words, A Grimoire of Tales and Magic on Amazon or Ingram Spark. If you are a uh, metaphysical shop owner, you can order it for your stock from there. And I'm Austin Bain X Bramble on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram. I don't know how else you would know where I'm at. Um, my website, BainXBramble.com, where you can purchase all my womanly wares, including my newest release of Perfumes, The Visions of the Witch's Rose, which is a three-part series capturing the essence of roses that I've grown myself and my interactions with them as a spirit. So thank you, Chris and Susan, for being here. This has been so wonderful. Your book is absolutely beautiful. The art is fantastic. Um, lastly, just in case everyone might have missed it earlier, do you want to give us any more of your plugs or locations that people can find you? Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Two Green Witches, the number two, and on TikTok, the same, Two Green Witches. And we're going to be in Provincetown soon at Easton Books. Isn't that right? I'm Provincetown on June 20th, and we're going to be in New York on July 12th and in San Francisco on July 17th, 18th. We got to uh, check. That. We'll have that all up um, correctly. San Francisco, <laughs> July 18th. July 18th. We'll be at Fabulosa on uh, Castro Street in uh, in San Francisco. Southern Bramble is a Patreon-supported podcast. We wanted to thank our top-tier Patreon supporters by name. Witch Rafa, V, Tracy, Timothy, 
The Witch of Patapsco Forest, The Modern Babylon, The Lady Ghost, Shanna, Nico, Lisa, Keith, Key, Johnny, John, Jens, Jennifer, Jennifer Squared, Jamisa, Giles, Colby, Cindy, Callie, Ariella, and Adity. Thank you all so much. Thank you.